It's Party Town Mom. Welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show, sitting here in the mothership that is Studio 22. Of course, the puppet master, Mark, sitting over here at the helm driving this thing. Hello. Hey, buddy. I I feel as though, I feel as though your your and our relationship has kind of like gone to a new level. Really? Yeah. Really? Do you yeah. get that feeling? Is it mutual or are we still the same? You know, I think I think it's deepened a little bit in the last <laughs> in the last few weeks. Yeah, like you guys who ever watch you watch this show. You know, Mark doesn't say a lot, right? His favorite words are pretty good. Like, how you doing? Pretty good. How, how was your weekend? Pretty good. Like, that's his words, right? It, but he's a, he's a great guy. He's a genuine guy. He's a funny guy. A lot of people don't know that, but he's he's a funny funny guy. And uh, but I, you're starting to give me more facial expressions. Oh, okay. Like you're not okay. necessarily using right. more words, right. but your facial expressions, just the expressions are becoming yeah. more understanding and deeper. Yeah. And I just feel yeah. a strong connection there. We're yeah. simpatico. At this I'm, point. I'm opening up. You yeah, know? I yeah. love it. The puppet master, yeah. Candice, the queen. I'm trying to stop saying Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians. I know you changed it last queen time. And C. You're, going you're back. queen C, right? Okay, yeah. I don't know. I, I just doesn't roll off. With it doesn't work. Candice, queen of the Ethiopians. And here's the thing: it's just like it's just like when the dude called Chris Como Fredo the other day. He'll always be Fredo. Is it because he oh. because he showed his ass over it, right? <laughs> like I'm like if he had just let it go and walked it off, but from now on you he's want- Chris Fredo Cuomo. Yeah. For the rest of his life. You want me to have that kind of reaction no, to what you're... No, I don't want you to, like, lose your sh** to get some ratings on this thing, but... Wait, well, we might hold on to that. Let's that do might that. bring like ratings. Like, an angry woman, like, if you just come out of your clothing like the Hulk... No, that's <laughs> like where you that, lost me. Like your parents me. would be so proud. Like an angry white woman? Like, you're, you're the angry white... Well... <laughs> you're why not white. Wow, this took hell? a turn. Why okay. are you assuming my my race? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I can't believe you would well, next next week you'll be giving yourself a man's name or something. All right, you're white enough. Thank you. But see, the beautiful thing is, like, you can claim white privilege, and then at some time when somebody says, well, you're claiming white privilege, you could have, I'm Hispanic. I'm queen of the Ethiopians. Yeah, they have no idea. They, but I'm no, just going to play that card. Mystery. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play that card for a little bit. I'm waiting for the 23andMe sponsorship. I told you. <laughs> I'm 100% white. Sitting over in the peanut gallery, we got a special surprise for you. My girl, Ashley Camerath, is sitting in here. Oh, girl, I hadn't seen you in a long, Hello. long time. It was a surprise. You just popped in and we were able to sit in. And it was Happy great. Happy to be in Big D. I know. Why not? I want you to, we're going to have fun on this podcast. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a really, really good one. I've been excited about this thing for a while. I got my buddy, Jamie Kilstein, who's sitting over here. He is the host of the Jamie Kilstein Podcast and comedian. He's been an author, writer. He's been on the Joe Rogan Podcast numerous times. He's got several different things, claims to fame, and we're going to talk about all of those things. Ashley, I want you to chime in because this is going to be fun because we were talking off air about some of the stuff. Jamie, you're a weird evolution of things, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, also super awkward. My nickname is also the Queen of Ethiopia. Uh, um, <laughs> so just add that to my list as yeah. well. <laughs> Royalty. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. like an amalgamation of like a bunch of unmarketable. <laughs> is, is essentially my career. I mean, I like that though because you know at least you own that. And that's the way I look at it. It's like you know, like I have a lawyer friend who told me a few years ago. He said you're the first guy I ever know have ever known that got famous by pretending to be famous. Like you had you had that's nothing. So good. Yeah, you like you didn't even have any talent, but you just started pretending like you were somebody. You just had that sudden, confidence. Yeah, people just started believing it. <sighs> Dude, I want that. That's like the Conor McGregor thing. Yeah. You just walk in, you f- 
believe it and you're like i'm gonna knock this guy on the first round you knock him on the first round then they're like wait who's that irish guy can he even you know exactly i was in vegas uh when mcgregor fought oh gosh i guess it's been two years now it it was uh december 10th and i remember that for specific reasons but that was when he fought two years ago at mgm and there were 10,000 Irishmen yeah. there for the fight. Like the island of Ireland yeah. was uninhabited at that point yep. in terms of males. A great they time to go check out the girls. put up a closed sign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, the Dublin airport. In said, Vegas no. for a weekend. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you, these guys drink professionally. I mean, yeah. like it's it's legit. And then they're going through the, the thing and these mobs of Irish guys. And they're going, oh, 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 yeah. oh. It's like just nuts. And then they're just singing their songs and their chants and their. Yeah, it's great for, like, casual drinkers to be around those people to be like, oh, I don't have a problem. I can keep drinking. Yeah. Because, like, you feel better just by comparison. You're like, I'll be fine. Like, I thought I thought I could drink until I went off to school at the University of Georgia. Yeah. When I was a kid, and then I got around the professionals. Oh, and yeah. And I was like, oh, I got to stop this or I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Yeah. You quit drinking a while back. I stopped. Well, I stopped for... I stopped for like a couple of years and then my life imploded and I started again. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, no. I, when I started stand up mm-hmm. uh, again, we were talking about this off air. Um, but if you decide to go into stand up comedy, you're not like, oh, I should start reading like self help books and doing push ups. You're like, I guess I should be a cokehead. Uh, <laughs> like, you are applauded in stand up by kind of like how much of like a screw up you are. Right. right. So I spent like a year uh, totally away just coaching MMA, jujitsu. My diet was on point. I was super healthy. I was back doing stand up for like a month and I was like stoned all day, drinking again, back to being depressed. And now I feel like I found a balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so yeah, so I stopped drinking. It's probably been like five months I haven't yeah. drank. That's that's commendable. I mean, for people who feel like that's something I need to do in my life, like like it's something that's controlling me, affecting me. Did you get to that point? No. So I'm in kind of this weird place where I have alcoholism in my family mm-hmm. uh, and I have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. So and that can be for good things, too. Like when I was 17, I was like, I want to start stand up. And at no point was I like, all right, I'll go to college and like mess around. I'm like, I guess I'm dropping out of high school. And then I started taking the train into New York every day. Like I just like I'm not good at many things, but the things I'm good at, like I just go really hard with it. And so I have that addictive personality. Honestly, the only reason I think I'm not a raging alcoholic or dead in a gutter is because I'm a like I'm a lightweight. So if I have like five drinks, I'm like, I don't like this. Like if I have the spins, uh, I'm acting like leaving Las Vegas. Like this is just like my total like so, rock Nick cage. Oh, just over. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I do it with food. I've done it with sex. I do it with um, uh, I've done it with weed. Yeah. Like at least once every three months, I'll hear some like Rogan interview or like Childish Gambino, Seth Rogen, Chappelle, and I'm like, I'm going to be a stoner again. And then I'm just like a piece of just like eat bagel sandwiches and like go to sleep at six. Like I'm every bad like stoner cliche. Uh, So I think I just I function better when I'm healthy. I function better when I'm fighting, when I'm eating well. But then there's that artist part of me that's like, but do I have to be a to be funny yeah. or do i have to be a screw up and then i kind of go back but right now it's been yeah five months no drinking uh an edible on occasion and i feel pretty good yeah for, for those of you watching at home edibles that is thc in a gummy mm-hmm. form or mm-hmm. a brownie mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Uh, or a cookie or mommy yeah, gummies or whatever. They, they <laughs> in the mommy world apparently yeah i mean you know i my experience with gummies was this so i was out in colorado i'd never eaten an edible yeah all right it's party time mom i'd never eaten an edible <laughs> so i was uh uh, I went to a dispensary. I was yeah. like, give me some gummies. 
And a friend of mine said, now, remember, don't overeat those, I know, I know. okay? Don't overeat those. And I was like, okay, I won't. So I ate one. Yeah. Well, two hours goes by, and you're like, nothing. Big mistake. Wasted my money here. Yep. So I was like, screw it. Yep. I'm eating another one. Well, the next thing I know, I'm at a friend of mine's house who lives in, in Denver. He's a comic, and, and I'm at his house, and we're hanging out. We're getting ready to go eat pizza, and the pizza just couldn't get there fast enough. I was like, and I found myself just wandering down the street. Yeah. I'd somehow managed to get my way out of his house. Yep. In his yard, and just thank God I was still wearing clothing. Dude, when I I grew up poor and in New Jersey, so if I ended up like super high, that means like I've been poisoned and I need to go to the hospital. Like we just had bad weed, and now that it's legal, it is so powerful. I feel like if I'm gonna have an edible, I have to like say goodbyes to my family. Like I'm like going off to the war, like just in case, like I'll have like a bite of a brownie and I'm just like, you be safe when I'm gone. Like, think, like I sound like a character from the notebook suddenly. And like, I, I have just become, and I'm 37, maybe it's cause I'm getting older, but the stuff is getting so strong that I have legitimately, if I have like a gummy or it feels like a psychedelic yeah. like trip, like it's getting out of hand. Yeah, it's like they laced it with LSD or something. It's, it's like you need to listen to a Timothy Leary album or something like that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i was i was uh i had had a really back in january i had this really rough spot of weeks and i was tired and i was traveling and i was stressed and we were late we were going to do a show in denver again and i told the guy that travels with normally the guy that's sitting over there party foul steve who's not with us today i told him i said when we land take me to a dispensary yeah i gotta go to i just gotta get something that just help will help me rest yeah so I go in there and I go. The, I get the indica, which I'm not an indica. I'm not. I'm like like my my concept of drugs. And you people talk amongst yourselves, you pious. Anyway, I like <laughs> like my my drug of choice. Everybody knows is my whiskey. I'm always sipping on some whiskey. Yeah. And but I believe that the drug that you is best for you, or at least the one you're going to like the most, is the one that fits your personality. So if you're right. low key and chill, you probably want to smoke. If you're hyper and you're crazy and you're ADD, you probably want to take Adderall or yeah, cocaine yeah. or whatever. And I'm seeing all this stuff, and I, I just kind of form these philosophies of being in the comedy world and seeing how people gravitate towards these things. So I tell him, I was like, "Give me an indica because indica into couch. Yep. You know, you're just going to melt into it. And I just need to rest. I need to chill. So I'm going to take a couple of puffs off of a vape pen." Three hours later, I'm sitting on the edge of the hotel bed, butt naked, staring at the wall, going, I hate my life. Oh, What's wrong yeah. with my life? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Dude, I, I've had those moments where I'm like, but that's such a – it's one of those things where I've done it with alcohol. I've done it with weed where I'm like, man, I'm really depressed. I guess I could fix it and figure out what's wrong or I could just take drugs and hope that makes it better. <laughs> Therapy is expensive. Therapy is so expensive. I know. I uh, th That's really interesting. I've never heard – I actually do better, I think, with drinking mm -hmm. uh, than I do – like I don't get blackout. Mm -hmm. I don't – like, I didn't really have a drinking problem. I've hung out with, like, AA people before. Yeah. And, uh, They're always looking for the best bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leaving they, Yelp reviews. And they're just like, dude, you're not, a, you're not an alcoholic. Like, uh, they were like, can you, like, could you leave a drink half, like, empty? I was like, yeah, yeah. They're like, you don't have a problem. Yeah. Um, this is me, by the way, just trying to get some whiskey. Being like, I don't have a problem. Just give me some whiskey. <laughs> uh, but I do better with alcohol. I think that actually does fit my personality more. Yeah. 
weed, I'm literally, I, I look like an anti-weed propaganda film where I'm just every terrible stereotype. Yeah. I mean, there are times where I'm like, I'm going to smoke and I'm going to write and I'll like leave my notebook out and like mark the page and I'll just walk by and be like, ah, no. And I'll just go right to the fridge and then I'm asleep by like <laughs> yeah. nine. Bagel sandwiches. Bagel sandwiches, yeah. baby. You guys are just checking us out. I'm sitting down with Jamie Kilstein, host of the Jamie Kilstein podcast. You need to tune in and subscribe to that and get all kinds of education with this dude <laughs> my gosh funny funny stuff listen i you know I, I grew up around some alcoholics and i never liked being around drunk people because they Hate get it they're imbalanced yes and i don't like imbalance like i get around people and it makes me feel nervous like yeah. is, are they gonna break something tear something up start a fight are they gonna yeah. create some kind of and i don't like, like that kind out. of stress i don't want to be like jason Bourne. like where are the exits what can <laughs> yeah. i use as how like many a outlets are in the wall you know <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so I, you know, that truck out in the parking lot has a rifle in the back seat. I, I, I'm so like, I don't get drunk. I get accused of that some, from time to time just because I'm silly, but I'll drink just to, cause I enjoy the taste of the drink. And then if I start to feel that way, it's, I just go to bed. It's time to go to bed, time to right. go home, go to bed. So I, cause I don't like being imbalanced. And, that, but so I understand what you're saying on that because you're like, you look at this stuff and you're like, okay, I love the old, uh, Bill Cosby deal. In himself, the he, old Bill Cosby. The old Bill Cosby. Well, the old, oh, no, the old, old Bill Cosby, Cosby was raping chicks. Yeah, yeah, the new one's in jail. Yeah. The new Bill Cosby. New Bill Cosby's new. getting a whole different kind of jello. Uh, but old Bill Cosby, but like intermediary Bill Cosby, back when we loved Bill Cosby. Sure. Because still one of the greatest comedians of all time, one of the greatest storytellers. Incredible. I mean, I, I ran the needle through the records, the actual vinyl records of Bill Cosby back in the day. Um, but when he did himself and he was like, you know, well, why do you take drugs? He's like, well, it intensifies my personality. And he goes, well, what if you're an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, like, I've never gone on stage. This is just an admission and confession. I've never gone on stage. I don't think having not at least taken a drink right. just to calm because I don't get stage fright. Right. But I just want to relax. Yeah, I used to. I'm so hyperactive. When I was, uh, when I was like starting to be like sort of successful with comedy, I, man, I remember there was one time. I think with me, my problem is like confidence. Mm -hmm. So anytime, like right now, like I legitimately was like, I could have a drink, um, but it's it, it's not because I'm like I want to drink. It's like, oh, you look cool drinking, and I want to look. Co it's literally I've never gotten over that like not cool kid in high school, right? Yeah. So there was a time. It was hard for me to quit cigarettes because I was like – back when you could smoke on stage, I was like, but I won't look cool, which is an insane thing for an adult to say. Mm. Um, but I remember there was one time where I was doing shows in Cleveland and I was trying to get this tape. I was desperately trying to get this tape to like submit for like Letterman or Montreal or one of these comedy things. And they taped the first show. And I did great. And I was drinking. I probably had like two drinks on stage. Um, but then people started sending me shots. And Ate I, those I, people. Yep, I killed. Did great. Then we go to the bar next door to hang out with like that audience while we wait for the second show. Second show comes. I tell that audience. I was like, you know what the first audience was doing? Like you guys don't want to be a bunch of <laughs> sending shots. Never so, mentioned shots. Yeah. So now the they start sending ever. shots. What I think happens is a comedy revolution. I think that I – I know I have my tape. I think I tore it apart. I call my girlfriend at the time. She's like, how to go? And I was like, I'm like the next Bill Hicks. I can lead a revolution. <laughs> we should march to the capital of Ohio or whatever. 
So then I keep emailing this club being like, hey, man, when can I get that tape? Like, I really need that tape. I need to submit for Montreal. I need to submit for Letterman or whatever. Like, I need that tape. And they're like, just, all right, we'll give it to you. They send me the tape. I do not. I'm not doing well. Um, you can't understand a word I'm saying. Yeah. I literally sound like I'm talking in like slow motion. And I'm like, we got a march. And I think they're laughing just because they're scared. It's like a yeah. hostage situation. <laughs> what are we in the middle Maybe they're of? sending me shots of water just to, but it, that, that was the worst. You don't even remember when they plugged in the IV. No, no. I have no idea. Yeah, that was the march we took to the Capitol was just me going to the hospital. Um, and that's when I, like, I, I stopped getting drunk on stage. Uh, I, I remember like I uh, when Chappelle, like Chappelle gets high on stage. And I was right. like, oh, I'm going to try that. No, no. I, I, no. There are some people who just have it and can do it. Um, I've probably had my best shows, yeah, when I've had like one or two beers and like that's it. Yeah. Um, but I also – there's something I do like about going on stage sober and kind of having like a little jitters, which I haven't had. I've been in a stand-up for like 20 years um, and going into it more like a, like a fighter, you know. Um, I feel like I'm definitely like a little quicker when I do it. But I miss. I used to have like yeah, my little whiskey and my little beer. And yeah. I just kind of set it up. And like I have. That. I've got comic friends who say never drink on stage. I'll never drink on stage at I, all. I only take water. You know, I don't drink. I'll drink after the show, but I refuse to drink. And I'm like, yeah, not me. I I need to have yeah. a little. You know, do I need it? I don't know. I because I like to just because again, it's not a nervousness. I just feel because I'll go back to what you said. I started drinking as a kid when I was in my late teens because I was insecure. And I wanted to find a way to drop my inhibitions, yes. right? Like I didn't want to – like I was scared of girls. Yeah. I was scared of all these things. Like I look at you and I'm like, well, he's over there drinking coffee. That's hip. Like, ha, that's cool. That's hilarious. Like, that's yeah, progressive. Yeah. Yep. I like that. <laughs> that's, that looks cool. I mean he's in, <laughs> it he's drinking it out Brooklyn. of a Blaze coffee cup. <laughs> Go to Blaze.com. <laughs> Go to BlazeTV.com. Uh, yeah, he's drinking out of a Blaze. And I'm like, you know, I can see the steam rising. I'm like, that's cool. I wish I could I wish I could be like, That's so yeah. funny. You want to trade? <laughs> Oh, we got plenty of we time, James. Oh my God, this is the start of a beautiful friendship. I know. If I wasn't going shooting afterwards, I know <laughs> for the first time. Well, it's funny too when you talk about uh, like Cosby. Uh, what was so interesting is Cosby would lecture. Uh, especially like the young black community mm -hmm. about respectability politics, about pulling your pants up, about like I think probably like drugs and alcohol. And it's like homeboys like the scariest rapist like in yeah. the world where I do get, you know, sometimes I like I, I, I don't. I mean, there was a phase where I was like a sober vegan. Not fun. Um, not fun to be around. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> that I do. Give this guy a steak and a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I still have vegan tattoos. And yeah, tell I, me about that. Like, I who eat, gets a vegan tattoo? I do. I eat meat uh, now, and not only is it a vegan tattoo, like, it's not like a metaphor. It is animals murdering farmers. Like, there's a whole farm... And there's, I don't think you can see it's it. It's like Animal Farm it gone is. wild. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a pig with like a revolver and it's a, a, a chicken stepping on the head of a farmer and he has like a little Rambo thing. And a cow is like uh, slitting the throat of a farmer who, by the way, I thought that farmer was like a guy and I've had like uh, trouble with the ladies in the past. And this girl the other day was like, why is the farmer slitting the throat of a woman? I was like, uh, that's not a woman. That's a guy farmer. She's like, no, I'm pretty sure that's a woman. And I was like, you cannot tell anyone. One, I have a woman being murdered on my arm. That's not going to help my image, like whatsoever. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. It's pretty. That's art. a whole farmhouse uh, 
killer mural you got going on there, yeah. apparently. There's a lot of scenes happening in that. Yeah, scene. and then uh, my first kickboxing fight, uh, everyone had these, like, tough, like, nicknames, like, killer. Uh, so I just had Tofu Warrior as mine. So I got, like, a little, I have, like, a little tofu guy with a sword you on my hand. You got a little hand. Cuba tofu on there. I mean, the tattoos are still cool. But, dude, like, half of my two tattoos are, like... Ex-wife and vegan tattoos. Like, nothing is valid on my body anymore. Yeah. Like, all of these are very out of date. Do you regret any of the tattoos? Now, there's a reason I'm going to ask that. No. I mean, they're just, like, parts in your of your life. And it's yeah. not like I, like, stare out. This one, uh, I had a really jealous girlfriend. It took her a year to figure out that this was a wedding ring. Uh, it's a, a – and I was just too scared to tell her. Um, it's like a penguin. Yeah. Because, uh, like, penguins are monogamous and stuff. And I feel bad because I have a girlfriend now and we're very serious. And I was like – I should get it covered up, but I don't really know what to do. Part of me wants to do like a flip book of just like a bunch of penguins, like doing like different positions. <laughs> like, there's a penguin doing monogamous doggy style. Yay. That's, that's some deep <laughs> you got going, Jay. It's a weird, it's a look, it's been a weird couple of years. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> I, I love it, dude. You just got to embrace the individuality and the u- uniqueness of the person. That's so you, you like tattoos to me are an expression of that because I've got you know a, lo- a lot, and so. To me, it's almost like building an altar. There was this time in your life this happened, and I want to build a, a memorial yeah. stone to it. Yeah, yeah, and like this, like everything tells a story about this phase in my life. Some I like to talk about, some I don't. But it's there, and um, and it just kind of becomes that thing. That's a cool way to put it, man. Because I think a lot of people, I think the biggest problem with, I mean, even everything that's going on now politically with like the fighting we do online is. That people just don't have self-awareness um, and they're not willing to think critically. They, they're, they're, they're told that if you change your mind on something, you're weak or you're a flip-flopper or like me. Like I posted that I was come, going on like Glenn's show earlier and like I knew this would happen. But like a bunch of my liberal followers automatically were like you sell out like blah, blah, blah for talking to someone with like a different opinion, right? Because I used to believe a certain thing. Now my beliefs are evolving. Evolution should be a good thing. Evolving your beliefs should be a good thing. Being open-minded to hear what other people have to say is a good thing. And and I feel the same way with like your past, right? Um, If you're not – if you're so ashamed of your past, that means you're not learning from it. Um, There are things I've done – that I regret. There are things I've done that I could have done better. But if I just tried to like bury it all, mm-hmm. uh, that's when people become uh, bitter, when they start to project, when they start to like attack other people. Like that's what I used to do online um, as opposed to, yeah, it, it could be weird having like an ex-wife tattoo, uh, but it's not. I got a buddy of mine that's been married four times. He has four pinup tattoos no, he of every single ex-wife. And he did, did he not do it get, over? He like one over no, the, no, the no, no, last he didn't, one? No, it's on different parts of his uh, arm. All the way, I mean, they're very visible. And uh, he didn't get the tattoos until after they were divorced because he was like, I love them. I still love them. They're great. They were great human beings. We just couldn't stay married. Whoa. And so he got them and he'll name them off and he'll tell the whole thing. That's amazing. Yeah, he's a crazy Lucky mother. number five. <laughs> <laughs> he's running out of skin. <laughs> I don't think I'd want that constant No, I know. That's just him. That's how he is. He's a nut. Uh, but I love him. I mean, the dude's, you talk about unique. Anyway, seeing that dude take 23 shots of Patron tequila in one night. That, he, he just downs it. All night long. Walks into anyway, we don't need to get into all that. But I mean, like this guy's a pro. Um <clears throat> love that dude. Anyway, and he's a doctor, by the way. Perfect. He's he's one of the top equi- he is the top equine surgeon in the world. In the world. Let me tell you. Anyway, 
I've always said, my listeners, my viewers, they've heard me say this a million times. If you have a conviction and you believe in something and someone challenges you on that, because I believe critical thinking and critical thought has been lost in a big way in today's. Totally. It, and it, that's a huge deal to me. Um, this just just this absence of logic and this syllogistic reasoning has been lost of being able to put A and B to C. It, it's amazing to me. But if you have a conviction and someone challenges you, it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to make your conviction stronger or it's going to change your conviction and make it better. Yeah. Okay, so I like opposing ideas if if people are thinking critically. You've kind of had an evolution of that. Yeah. I mean, you are, as our buddy uh, and good friend, and I heard from him today, by the way, Andrew Heaton calls political orphans. Like, I feel like a political orphan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so reading what I have on you and knowing you and following you, it just kind of seems like you find yourself in that camp right now. What's yeah. that evolution process been for you? Yeah, I mean— and it's good and it's disheartening at the same right. time where it's good because – so I just did uh, that, that roundtable show here, uh, The News and Why News it Matters. News and Why it Matters, right? yeah, with Sarah Gonzalez. And, and it was great. And I was the only liberalish person there. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about uh, guns and mass shootings. And something that I would never be able to do on MSNBC when I used to go on or I would never be able to do on CNN, instead of using that time to shout at them – my thoughts on guns or what we need from regulation. Uh, I was like, okay, I have at least one dude. I mean, the dude next to me was like from NRA TV. So I was like, I have at least one guy who owns a gun and knows a lot about them. Why don't I use my time instead to ask him what he thinks we should do? Mm. Because I don't know. I've never shot a gun uh, before. I've never owned a gun. My family's never owned a gun. Uh, I didn't grow up in the South. I didn't grow up where that was part of my culture. And I am much more interested instead of the left on Twitter just assuming that anyone who owns a gun is like pro mass shooting. Like that's an insane thing to believe. Um, But it is what we assumed on the left. And so I asked them, I was like, what are your solutions? And I think that when you can put aside partisanship and you can go, hey, if we both want the same thing. Mm Right. If I was a gun owner, I would be even louder about gun control um, because I was like, I don't want every time there be a mass shooting for people like me who have a gun for either sport or to protect my family or whatever. We get lumped in with these psychopaths. Right. So I want to hear what someone who was trained how to use a firearm, what they think we should do. Um, That kind of dialogue is shunned. On the left. Like I said, when I posted I was coming here, people automatically were like, oh, so you're finally selling out to the right. It's like, no, idiots. Like, I want to share my ideas with them and I want to hear their ideas and then I want to come up with whatever, like, the best solution is. But you are not encouraged to do that. Like, dude, if when I left – I've said this before, but if when I, like, left that radical left side of me, if I wrote the book, which, by the way, I was offered – and I had I went from having a lot of money to having no money. It's a fun experience right there. Holy <laughs> but I, I remember sitting on a couch and I was literally this is the most liberal thing you ever hear. Holding my cat and crying because uh, I'm like, I'm not even gonna be able to take care of my cat. And I was getting these offers to kind of be like, I'll sell you. Uh, I was getting these offers to be. I'm going to have to eat you, but I love you. But I love you so much. Uh, <laughs> I used to be a vegan. Don't look at the vegan tattoos. Um, I, I had to if I like wrote the book uh, that if I was like, why I left the left and the right was right. I would get a check for like a billion dollars. I'm sure you would. I would have my own spot on Fox News. And there's a trajectory for that. There are people who have gone down that path. And 
I tried, man. I was like, all right, I'll watch some Ben Shapiro videos. And I was like, ah, so liberal. Uh, but like, I tried to do that uh, and I couldn't if do If I it. had to just sit there on a diet of Ben Shapiro videos, I probably would go liberal too. You're at the next like Antifa rally, like throwing milkshakes. Uh, like Mike, Mike Knowles. You've been on Mike Knowles' deal. I love Mike Knowles. He was Mike the Knowles. first right wing show Mike, I ever Mike's did. a great dude, man. And dude, I love and that guy. He was the first like Republican I met. And yeah. literally, I remember saying backstage to him, I was like, you guys are funny. Like, yeah. Idea. Mike Knowles is great, dude. Love that guy. He's the best. He was the best. He like welcomed me like into. I wrote this whole piece after I went on his show, being like, shut. Like I went in there. First of all, his producer at the time, who was also amazing, was like a Latina woman. And I wrote that I was like, I just thought it was all going to be like white guys. And I was like, I wrote that I was like looking to see if she was like blinking some kind of Morris code. Like, get me out. I've been held hostage. <laughs> then, uh, then there's a, a a woman when Michael's talking to me was like a fan uh, made you something. A fan made you a present. And I was like, oh, here we go. It's going to be like a bullet from the Parkland massacre or like some swastika and it was like an oil painting of his wedding night it was like the most beautiful thing ever then there was a curtain behind me in the dressing room and this other woman was like breastfeeding her kid and i was like ah you guys are all like believe in family and <laughs> you really and are pro like, family really kind it was the most insane thing i've like ever been a part of and uh i don't know where i was going with that no, you were talking about shapiro and like like you're still oh, a liberal because right. you're watching that and you're like what do i do and i'll tell you it's harder I know I've talked to friends that the way to get those Patreon numbers up, the way to get more people to listen to the podcast right away at first yeah. is to attack again mm -hmm. and is to be because that's all I did on the left. And we were making well, I was f it. We we're making like thirteen thousand dollars a month with no advertising mm -hmm. just from volunteer donors um, because we had a tribe and we were rallying the tribe online and I would start with conservatives every day online and by the way i was doing this because i was cool massively depressed uh and i was in a relationship that wasn't working and i would get my validation uh by going on the internet and starting and seeing if a celebrity retweeted me yeah um you were addicted to twitter weren't you a hundred percent yeah and i because i wasn't getting validation in my real life yeah. right but you can carry that around and like these people you like they're, they're liking you they're telling you like you're fighting the good mm -hmm. fight and all this stuff and i i i, I said this before on glenn's show where i wasn't even being a good person like i would literally if my girlfriend was like hey jamie your mom's on the phone i'd be like tell her i can't talk i'm tweeting about feminism like i was ignoring <laughs> real women in my life to project this image of like this self-righteous guy and it wasn't nefarious it wasn't uh premeditated i thought i was doing the right thing and i didn't have the self-awareness to realize that i was doing it for like the wrong reason what you right? just said is genius i mean that that whole little thing right there you just said is genius well i mean it's just people like, need to stop rewind three minutes and listen to what he said again rewind it's, it's raw and it's real and thank you yeah for that's, admitting that. that's amazing thank you guys but it's i mean good. it's it's but it's 100 percent true and i think a lot of people go through that mm -hmm. um you see it on twitter you know it's like wow we are fighting all day with strangers and like dude i still don't we I don't know if we'll agree or disagree on more things, but we'll talk about it and we won't get mad at each other. And exactly. like we just met. Um, and that's a crazy thing that I think a lot of people forget. Because remember, it's Facebook. It's Twitter. They profit off engagement. They yeah. profit off us fighting. Um, there's no incentive for them to be like, hey, cool it down, guys. Um, 
But then once you leave and once you log off and once you go on the internet, you go, hey, the majority of people are decent. And isn't that good? Isn't that a good thing? But liberals a lot of times want to be like, no, everything's terrible and everyone's a Nazi. And it's like, that's a horrible world to live in. Um, And what I've noticed is ever since talking to conservatives is that. Like this happened the other day. Uh, Our friend uh, Jason uh, posted something after the El Paso shooting and he goes, something has to change, Um, whether it's with gun laws, whether it's whatever. Um, Jason, who I'm going shooting with today. (laughs) Who's a good person by Jason Buttrell, chief researcher for Blaze TV, by the way, great former Marine. Oh, amazing. He's been in Great. war, so he's, know. He, he knows how to shoot. This guy. I didn't even yeah. ask any questions. I'm like, yeah. let's go shoot some guns. <laughs> let's go. And, uh, you, you look like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine, right? Um, this is like an actual range. We're not just like picking off like your enemies. You don't have like a revenge We're not going to be downtown. Right? Great. Um, so, I, uh, so I retweeted him. And I was like, hey, I'm someone on the left who also wants Mm -hmm. to do something. Um, We should talk about this. And I was so bummed out where all the conservatives that wrote to me or that responded were like, yeah, enough's enough. Like so many kids are dying. We have to do something. Again, something that I would have never assumed would come from conservatives. Uh, No offense. Um, And all the liberals were like, well, then why does this guy work for the blaze? Like, did he vote for Trump? And it's like, Jesus, man, you have what you want. You have a conservative gun owner being like. We have to change stuff. Don't you want to hear what he wants to change? Like, look, politicians on both sides are assholes. Po- like, you want to talk about politicians? Okay. Maybe politicians aren't going to make changes because they're getting money uh, from the NRA. But the majority of people, who I believe, who are in the NRA, maybe not the higher-ups, but who are in the NRA, of course they want uh, people to they want sensible people who are trained yeah. to have guns and they don't want mass shootings but like the way the internet is especially on the left if you talk to someone on the right you know again i'll be called alt right for doing these shows rogan who is very liberal has been called alt right for talking to uh, uh conservatives for talking to ben shapiro yeah um and that's insane that's just going to keep us divided forever yeah no that's you're exactly right and you bring up a good point you take a guy like Rogan. I mean, you know, whatever. What Nancy Pelosi was being called a racist by AOC a couple of weeks ago oh, or right. something. And I'm like, come on, quit devouring each other. This is this is a circular firing squad at this point. You know, you you mentioned Harvey Weinstein. I mean, Harvey Weinstein is a, is a is a creep, and he's out there sexually abusing and harassing and raping women. I mean, I I like sex. I like sex too, but that doesn't make I make me a creepy raper right. kind of guy either. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing with guns. Like, okay, there are people out there who misuse guns, but just because you're a gun owner doesn't mean that you're a potential mass shooter. Right. Yeah. Like if someone like I've been doing jujitsu for like 12 years and if someone was like running around Dallas rear naked choking everyone, I wouldn't be like, well, I guess I got to hang up, <laughs> hang up the old gi. This like, is I, my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's an insane thing. But and also what the left does is by by not. OK, so like Harvey Weinstein is a great example. When Matt Damon said that we sh- shouldn't compare uh, Al Franken to Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. which I agree with. Uh, I agree with what that. What Al Franken did is very different than I completely Harvey agree. Weinstein. It's like, you know, uh, yeah, Harvey Weinstein, who was like, yeah. was a serial predator. Um, Matt Damon said, uh, we shouldn't compare those two things. Uh, aren't they different? Whatever. The next day, Matt Damon is trending on Twitter like he's a rapist, mm-hmm. where he's being called a rape apologist, all this stuff. If we can't have that conversation, 
Like, I'm not even in the tribe of people that's like, you know, false accusations make it harder for guys. Like, put guys aside, right? Like, I still have an easier gig than, like, the majority of women. Uh, If you are conflating one-night stands with rape, if you are comparing Al Franken to Harvey Weinstein, this makes it worse for women as well. Because now you have all these guys, when there's a legitimate accusation, they're going to be like, oh, what, is it like an Aziz thing? Well, okay, I was going to bring that up. I'm going to bring that up, because you take the Aziz Ansari thing, that where the girl comes out and it's like, he's doing all this. First of all, Aziz, if, if all this stuff's true, he's a weird lover like he's a weird weird lover okay? the game should be finessed yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, he did if you read that account he was doing some weird crap okay yeah. and like mm, i just don't i don't quite understand where he was going with that but this girl knew what she was getting into i mean if you're gonna go out you're gonna have dinner or whatever then you're gonna come back up to my apartment like if somebody we have this saying that uh, my wife would say it too if someone says why don't you come back up to my room yeah that is saying, let's go have sex. Sure. We're trying to get you into a position where you can do that. So the thing that happened with Aziz was unfortunate because he didn't, in my opinion, do anything necessarily wrong. Hmm. It was just a date, and that's where it went. He was trying to— I wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not putting my fingers in no, some girl's mouth and spreading them out. Yeah, well, to, I mean, what was happening was—so, like, it I mean, sounded like she pursued him. Um, they went out. Um, I mean, look, the bottom line is if there's, if you're having sex with a woman and she's like, stop, like you stop. Right. Um, but with the Aziz thing, they kept kind of stop starting. Like she was going down on him. Then, uh, she was like, stop. So then he stopped. Then they started hooking up again. Then he eventually like called her an Uber, uh, or something like that. And that was, and that was it. Um, What it sounded like was he has his little, like, routine, his little factory. Like, we go to the sushi place that's across from my apartment. We go to the apartment. We have sex. Um, She changed her mind. She's allowed to change her mind. He is allowed to make a move. He's allowed Uh, to go as far as he can go. Yeah, and then stop. It's really f***able. But when we turn that into he's a rapist, he should never work again— I mean, that's insulting to women who were raped, in my opinion. Um, and that's pushing uh, Me Too into just like ridiculous. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. we should be going after rapists. We should be going after people who, you know, uh, like if someone's like, you're going to get fired if you don't f- me. Like, that's all harassment. Like, that's all stuff. But like, yeah, Al Franken doing this, Aziz uh, hooking up. Uh, th- these aren't in the I same did category. A, I did a video a commentary. Um, I don't know, God, whenever the Matt Lauer stuff went out and he lost his job. Oh, right, right, right. And so I did a deal, and it was a, it was a joke. I did this three-minute rant about if Matt Lauer had tried that with my mother, right? what would have happened to him? Because Great. she would have, you know, he would have been trying to get out of that locked room, and she would have been dragging him back in by his ankles. I regret the button. Claw- I regret the button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you hit the button, get my ass out of here. Well, you know, and people, everybody was like, oh, you're making light of this thing. And I'm like, Whoa. no, no, I'm just saying, I'm calling this what it is. I mean, you first you have women who succumb to this, but also many of them, like in the Weinstein, Weinstein situation, they did it because they knew they were getting career advancement on this yeah. thing. And so, you know, we, we tend to look at this thing and like, well, most real women, strong women would not put up with that garbage. Right. Like they would they would fight back. And that was the point of the the, the rant. And so <clears throat> but it's amazing how many people come out 
And they're like, you know, how can you make light of this? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, you know, we've been around for however many millennia. Men are attracted to women. Women are attracted to men. Men tend to be the pursuers. Women tend to be the receivers. Mm. I don't need to get into a whole birds and bees thing, but that's kind of the nature of how we are. We have a sex drive. To set up? Through, through, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, look, thank God the Blaze doesn't have an HR. I'm an HR nightmare, <laughs> right? I mean, I got my girls. I mean, they're like sisters to me. Ashley and I, we've been many revolutions around the sun together. Hot News Natalie that's normally in here. Uh, for our headline shows, uh, Candice, she has to listen to all kind of garbage out of me and Party Foul Steve. And, you were just and, hearing hot news, and, Natalie. Hot like, news, oh, Natalie. I don't know if that's okay. Yeah, she's a former <laughs> Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, right? And she's she's normally on our on our you know uh, Monday episodes talking about the news <laughs> and topics. Hot news, Natalie. And and I'm like, look, you know, Sarah Gonzalez, you were just on her show. Yeah. We joke around a ton. And it's like, look, these people who are confident in who they are and. Because I don't believe in toxic masculinity. Like, it, you're either toxic or you're masculine. Otherwise, like it's, a, it's an oxymoron. When you're done with this, I have a thought on that. I want yeah, to and, so, and, I, and I'll end that, but just saying people who are confident in who they are in their masculinity, in their, you don't get so, you know, easily butthurt yeah. over these kind of things. Like, if I'm flirting with you or joking with you, like, you take the Al Franken thing when he's got his hands over her. You know, he, she's wearing like the Kevlar. She, God, she's wearing body <laughs> armor. And he's like, ah, oh, my God. Yeah. I'd lose every job, every position I've ever had in my life. I'm, I'm, it's party time, Mom. Look, Mom, I've done some weird okay? And I apologize, sort of. Not really, but. <laughs> I mean, I did lose my job for, you lost your for, job. for less Hang than Hang on that. a second. Keep talking. Keep talking, Jamie. Yeah. I got it. You're not drinking, but by God, we're getting into it. Are you doing another one? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing another one. I'm just going to. Wet the whistle. I, w- I, w- I, w- I would do one with you. I know you would. Okay. Oh, look at you being a good friend. I think friend. he wants some JMO in his coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're going to dinner later, so who knows what can happen. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> no. Yeah, with, with no cameras. I'm not going to be the guy. No, no, no. I'll, I'll do it on my own first. Um, yeah, it's... <sighs> you know what's crazy? The, the people I've actually heard the most from, probably about like... What happened with me? So you let's go back. So Jezebel pushed a story out. Yeah. So it with I mean, an accusation. You tell me how much detail because I think I went into like you, you all go of into it whatever with Glenn. You yeah. But like the gist was my people don't watch Glenn Beck. They don't. They don't even like him. Oh great. Um. The the gist was I was uh I was in a marriage. That marriage had turned into a friendship. My mistake that I made. My legit mistake um, was after, like, years in this relationship, like, I finally uh, – I caved and I cheated and I had this, like, affair. And I felt horrible. I was, like, suicidal. I kept trying to get out of the affair. The girl at one point was like, one day I'm going to write a book about this. And I'm like, ah, I'm not famous enough for that, so it's fine. Um, and it was hard and horrible and I felt like a piece of um, I finally end it and I'm like, I would rather go back to – being in like some like loveless marriage uh, and I'm like, I'll never have sex. I don't care. I would rather that than like the guilt of, of this. I felt horrible. Um, so years go by. I don't talk to this girl anymore. Um, my ex and I, my ex-wife and I almost break up. And then as a kind of like last ditch effort, she was like, what if we tried like an open relationship? So I say yes. And it's going to be like, don't ask, don't tell. Which, uh, not easy to get 
when someone's like, hey, are you in a relationship? And you're like, I'm in a secret open relationship. Because you sound like a liar and that you definitely have herpes, they ask right? The guy, they're like, do you have an open relationship? No, I, I just cheat. I just cheat. Yeah, <laughs> that, I, that would have been easier. Um, but I still, because it's don't ask, don't tell, I'm still sneaking around. And mm-hmm. I can still only really like hook up on the road. And I still feel like I'm cheating. And so I'm like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Um and we decide to talk about it on the show. I'm like, maybe if at least I'm open about being in an open relationship, I won't feel like I'm like lurking in the bushes to try to like have sex. So we say it on the show and dude, like I said this on Rogan's where I spent years being like, hashtag believe all women, hashtag believe all women. Suddenly I read what's being said about me and I'm like, hashtag don't believe all women. Like this is terrible. <laughs> if a woman or if a guy who was accused of something was like, yo, she was just like a crazy jealous ex. I'm like, that's sexist. And then people will be like, what happened to you? And I'm like, well, it was a crazy jealous ex where what happened was the day after or the week of that uh, I announced I was in an open relationship, this girl I had with the affair with years ago posted on a message board like has any other girl been wronged by feminist jamie kilstein wow and out of the like hundreds of girls i've slept with um god i hope my uh girlfriend's parents aren't listening to this um they're great they're conservative i love them so much um but out of the many girls i slept with uh one girl was like he was flirting with me online didn't send a pic never sent anything like that uh she told me she had a boyfriend i go oh sorry that was it and a conversation and some other girl said, uh, we hooked up. We didn't sleep together. Jezebel made it sound like we slept together and Jezebel didn't make it. Uh, they didn't mention the open relationship. So it sounded like I was just cheating, cheating, cheating. Um, the girl said, uh, it was the safest I ever felt with a man or something like that. Or it was the first time I trusted a man, which meant when we were hooking up, I was respectful. We were great. Um, and then she goes, but weeks later, uh, he called me a rogue on his podcast and then jezebel in parentheses said jezebel could not find that quote and it's like right you couldn't find that quote because i'm not talking about road on my feminist podcast that i host with my mean wife you know what i mean that's insane uh but even if i did say that that does not make me an abuser or a predator that makes me an asshole i've never been so turned on by a man in my life yes (laughs) let's drink let's i'm just kidding that's some serious That's some serious word salad right there. I love it, dude. So that was it. But that was – and look, it was because I was a self-righteous asshole. Nothing I was like quote-unquote accused of, our our favorite comics haven't talked about on stage. You know what I mean? Like sleeping around on the road, uh, flirting online. Like this is normal stuff. But because I was in a group of people – that the second someone said something sexist or the second someone was getting canceled, I would jump on them. Mm-hmm. I was such a fun story to be like, ha ha, f- that guy. Like, yeah. I didn't really have friends on either side because the left, once they're told someone's canceled, lost all my fans, lost all my friends. I mean, my friends didn't even call to make sure I didn't kill myself. Like, Rogan and Stanhope and some comics did. And we weren't even friends at that point. Like, they, we didn't like each other. Uh, they wrote to see if I was okay, but all my like journalist friends, the ones I got on MSNBC, the ones, I mean, not that that would matter if I really was a piece of shit or if I like assaulted someone, but the people who were only there when they needed something, I mean, no one was even like, yo, are you alive? Or like, is that stuff true? Or, uh, or anything like that. They kind of got their progressive marching orders. They're like, this dude's gone. Um, and that was it. And that's another reason going back to what we were saying before, why it would be really easy to go, yeah, like full conservative or like 
women. Um, and I just be, because not only would that be money and would that financially probably get the podcast more attention and stuff like that, but it also, you know, th- there is that part of you that's like you could get bitter. You could yeah. go that way. Like I've met guys who have been turned on by the left and like now they just hate women. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm not that guy at all. I would rather take the kind of slow road and meet just cool people who I like um, as opposed to going just the like, you know, complete like woman hater, like be lying. It's like, no, nah, thing happened to me and thing happens to a lot of women. Yeah. Um, you know, that is what it is. You have kind of come through this, and we started here, and I want to, I want to end here. You, you, you kind of came through this evolution politically, and I, I like you sent me a message on Twitter. You know, we were talking on a private message, and you yeah. said somebody told me that me and you probably get along, and I was like, yeah, I bet we would. Yeah, and, Ricky, and we have. So yeah. you know, I, I love it. So um, new friend, and, and I'm serious, dude. I appreciate this talk. I could do this for hours. Yeah, me too, man. Because it's real, and and so, and a lot of people are afraid of real. You know yeah. what I mean? They're yeah. afraid. Like, like when you shine the light in the dark place, it gets very uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Comedy is supposed to do that, actually. You know, I believe that, like, you know, these days comedy – I said we were going to end on this. I'm going to go to another route for a yeah, second yeah, and we'll yeah. get back to that. Comedy has gotten to a point where I think that people have not been – had any oppression or persecution or hard times, and therefore they – they want to be identified by their persecution, so they go out and create something yeah. in order to make themselves victim. And sure. so now that's how they identify themselves. And then when you get on stage and you say something about whatever, you know, I got accused this week of fat shaming. And I was like, well, he's fat. I mean, I wasn't. I just said he just needs to lay off the free pizza. And so I didn't call him fat. He needs to lay off. You're the one who knew he was fat. You, you know what I was talking about. <laughs> he could have been skinny fat. He was, eating, eating, he was eating pizza. I mean, you know, I'm fat, but I identify as skinny. I'm trans fat. So whatever <laughs> you want to call it. But that's the deal. And I, that's why, again, I, I don't apologize. But these days, people are so... Um, you know, when you get into comedy, it's supposed to shine a light in the uncomfortable places. That's yeah. what it does. George Carlin was a master of that. It's the best. You know? When I uh, – whenever I would do interviews, um, you know, and George's daughter gave me my first TV spot. Wow. And, you know, these were comics I, I really looked up to. I mean, half the comics we looked up to, like Richard Pryor would not be able to be Richard Pryor. Carl, like, who knows I know. um, how many of them would be canceled or whatever. We're about being... to find out because they just paid $60 Eddie million dollars oh, to Eddie that. Murphy. Dude, I rewatched his special and I was like, oh, it wasn't even a gay joke. He literally opens his special by being like, I hate I like, hate faggots, I know. I, I mean, hey, gonna... Mooley, you know, give me some popcorn. Oh, I mean, my God. this whole thing. And, and I'm like, I just... Unless Eddie Murphy has become a brand new comic yeah. in the last 20 years. Unless he walks out holding hands with his boyfriend. I'm not <laughs> sure how this is going to fly. But like, but how do you do that comedy? I mean, Chappelle got himself. You mentioned him earlier. He got himself storm earlier. Yeah. For years. And then he comes back and, and guess does what? the palladium. He's doing stadiums. Yeah. Like yeah. he doesn't give a shit. And his last two specials were so edgy and he'll go after They're Trump, great. but he'll go after me too. He'll, yeah. I mean, and they just announced his new special coming out. I mean, he's so prolific. Um, I mean, he's our, he's our guy, right? He's our Carlin. He's sure. our, um, and the, the left hates him. I mean, the left liked him when he was on their side and, and, and that's what he's comics honest. should do. Yeah. He's they, honest. Is they, they shouldn't always fall down party lines. And, you know, to me, I used to do interviews and people would be like, uh, so were you like the class clown? I was like, are you out of your 
what? The class clown beat the out of me and called me gay like the class clown no way like i was the sad kid writing in a notebook uh i was in the class clown comedy comes from pain so like my first memories of making jokes were if like my mom relapsed and me and my brothers would be like standing around upstairs like and she'd be getting carted off like on like christmas in an ambulance and one of us would make a joke and and it would always be offensive because it was a horrible situation and whenever that first person made the joke the tension was gone the ice was broken and now I was like, all right, now let's figure out what to do. You can still do that with comedy. Comedy can still be used yeah. to uncover uh, and, and discuss these really painful, hard things and then have a dialogue about it. Um, but now it's being so policed. And I used to do it. I used to be part of the police. Um, but it's been so policed. People are afraid to do that. And like, I'm not going to make a Trump joke, not because I like Trump, because it's hacky. Like good comedy should yeah. be finding like, what's the angle no one's talking about, you yeah. know? And that's what makes it so uh, exciting. And yeah, you should be able to talk about things. And you know what, dude? When you actually go to a club, not one of these shows in LA, but like a club where it's actually working class people, there are minorities in the audience, they're women, you'll hear edgy stuff yeah. that would get someone canceled on Twitter and Big the audience is howling. Big time in New York yeah. City. Yeah. Because no, I think we're starved for real. Yeah. I think we're starved for the truth and the real. And I, if it is funny, great. Yeah. I go on stage, like, I have a dark sense of humor. I mean, I got blasted yesterday because I posted on Twitter. I said, imagine how many pageant moms would have been murdered if Chelsea was pretty enough to enter the contest. Holy <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, everybody's like, I just lost respect for you. Why are you calling her? Well, she's ugly. I mean, she's not a pretty woman. <laughs> she's not a pageant contestant, right? So whatever. That's just where my dark mind goes. The joke was so layered for a 200-character tweet. I was like, oh, there's so many reasons you could be mad. I was like, there are so many layers to that. I know. And, and then I was, then I, you know, the other day I did a deal that got, I don't know, God, if, you're, if we're counting reactions, like 65,000 reactions on Twitter where I said, and I've seen it copied a million times now where I said, you know, if, if you were surprised by Jeffrey Epstein's suicide, just think how surprised he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so you know, I, you see those things and and I'm like, and people are like, I can't believe. Then I did a video about Jeffrey Epstein, a, a little 30-second video where I said uh, he died of autoerotic asphyxiation. And I said he literally beat himself to death. <laughs> and so people were like, I can't believe you're making fun of this guy who committed suicide. I'm like, yeah, but did he? We don't know. Yeah. I mean, the guy so, who raped a bunch of women that got murdered? I don't care. Right, coming together on that. Like, I yeah. love... Like, that. We, we finally found our 9-11. Oh, yes, that's what it Jeff is. Epstein. Yes, yes. We're like liberals. Like, it's like, I'm pro-life. I'm pro-choice. Like, I'm anti-war. I'm pro-war. And then everyone's like, yo, but homeboy definitely got murdered, right? Like, 100%. I don't know who murdered him, but someone did. Uh, yeah, man. I just want to get back to that place... I feel like when I started comedy, I, I had that attitude that you had. And now, like, it's tough. I Like, I'll totally be honest, where I... I, 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 I find myself self-censoring a lot mm -hmm. of times, either with tweets or with – and I'm getting better probably because I'm going on more shows like this. Um, but it's – you know, if I do like a more right-wing show, I'll like hesitate before like posting like something a little more liberal that day. Right. Or, um, or I'll still – if I have like a funny joke but there's an offensive word, the old part of me is like, oh, I still probably shouldn't say that. Another thing I say is like with malice or whatever. Um, but it's still there and I, I realize that going back to the Cosby thing who always lectured people about respectability, that a lot of the people I've met who have the most offensive jokes or the most edgy are good. 
people. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and a lot of the people who act puritanical online are full um, and they it's just true. don't want to examine 100%, That's themselves. true. I'm telling you, people don't realize that, but that's true. Yeah. You know, I, and I'm with you. I don't like the kitschy kind of stuff. Like I, I, people come to my show and they know I'm a conservative leaning guy. Um, I'm, I'm pretty socially liberal. I, oh, cool. I you know, I always have been, yeah. I, I'm more fiscally conservative. I believe in a smaller government, but I also call out the conservatives because we hadn't conserved. Right. Like, like the government just keeps expanding, expanding, expanding. It's, yeah. it's just ridiculous how it's gotten. I mean, we're, what, two more trillion dollars into this whole thing since Trump's been in office, and that pisses me off. So I call out Trump as much. As, and people get mad at me for doing that. I'm like, yeah, okay, so I voted for the guy. In 2016, I didn't really want that to be the guy I had to vote for. But it was like I went in the voting booth, and I was like, okay, there was a box that said Hillary Clinton, and then there was not Hillary Clinton. So I went with not Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah, 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 that was yeah. kind of the route I went. We wound up with a you know a washed-up reality TV show guy and and it, you know numbers wise has he done well should he shut up yes um he's not a diplomat he doesn't want to be a diplomat we elected a billionaire mogul real estate playboy yep. that is used to living in rarefied air that we can't relate to and he's just going to say whatever pops off in his head which by the way shows how broken the system is on right. the left and the right that people are just like it like vote for trump you know what i mean like we the the he so much of what he said about hillary clinton was right you know i was like a bernie guy but like the goldman sachs stuff was right draining the swamp was right now is he being hypocritical Yeah. yeah um but like people were thirsty for that and because the mainstream does such a good job of trying to keep uh uh radical voices out whether it's someone like you know, they learned their lesson with Ross Perot, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why you'll never see, like, Ralph Nader on CNN and, you know, why Ron Paul got buried and stuff like that. Um, so then people are just so desperate where they don't – Clinton and Jeb – I mean, it was literally like a Clinton and a Bush again. And it's like, yeah, that's why – that's one of the reasons Trump won. And the left has just become, like, well, a bunch of Well, it's the forgotten man. It's the invisible forgotten man that feels like they've been left out – you know, they've been left out by the system yeah. and just kind of – their flyover – and, you know, I, look, when Ross Perot died a couple of weeks ago, I went on I was on this show and I said, I, looking back now, like I almost wish in 92 I would have voted for Ross Perot. Dude, I mean, it was kind of bald already did. He was like, oh, you're not going to give me TV time? I'm going to f***ing buy it. <laughs> and then he just bought himself TV time. That's I mean, insane. I mean, he was this tall, but he was a baller, dude. dude. Just and let a me tell gangster. you. Ross Perot, and it was a good man. He like right? charts and stuff. Yeah, he was just as you know, And he gets gangster. the admiral to run it as, as his vice, as his VP, and he's on the debate, and he's like, I don't even know what I'm doing here, yeah. right? And and everybody jumped on him, and I'm like, no, I get this, what the guy's saying. Yeah. So anyway, I, I think that this is the frustrating thing for me. Like, comedy, and again, I, I make fun of the right as much as I make fun of the left yeah, when same. I'm on stage. If I'm going to go there, I have people all the time who come to my show, and they say, we wanted you to be more political. Well, I want to be funny. Yeah. Like, like, if it's funny then it's we'll do it also what that not, means is i wanted to hear what, what i believe what i believe I want you in a to more say clever it. way into my face exactly like i've got bits about you know god I've, donald trump sitting on the toilet at 3 a.m tweeting i've got yeah. bits about donald trump's dog he doesn't have a dog you know what if donald trump d- drink alcohol like these are yeah. things like i want to go in here and i was like what ifs yeah. you know the, the whole and it, so i do this kind of make-believe land and to me that's funny because it's just it's just so far-fetched but we're living in a far-fetched world. Yeah, this could be a – this might might just be for you. Maybe your listeners will relate to this. But so when I was like 
kind of like at the height of, uh, I call it the year I was almost famous before everything came crashing down. Um, it's so funny because when I used to do like TV shows and stuff, my introductions were always like, you've seen this guy on Conan, you've blah, blah, blah. And now my introductions are like much more somber. They're like, he's very brave for speaking his story. And I'm like, <laughs> Um, and, and, uh, and, and so I, so when I, so at like the height of like, everyone was like, this guy's the next Carlin, the next Hicks. And I was just like all political. Mm-hmm. Um, I was with Janine Garofalo, like darling of the left, uh, as political as you can get. And I was telling her about my, my dad, me and my dad have a great relationship now. We had a horrible relationship growing up. And for the longest time, I thought it was all his fault because I was an angsty, artsy kid, right? When in reality, like thinking back on it, I'm like, oh, it was all my fault. Like I was a 16-year-old who was like, hey, dad, I want to like do comedy. And he was like, what if that falls through? You need a backup plan. And I was like, I play in a band. Like that was like my backup (laughs) plan. And I was just stoned all the time and had come home from like working all day and his two-hour commute and his house would be filled with pot smoke. Like I was a piece of shit. Um, so I, I, I tried to like buy him. There's this whole bit about it I used to do, but I was like, I want to make it up to him. Long story short, I, I want to buy him this like birthday present, this like olive branch. Um, I go to buy him this thing. They think I'm shoplifting it. I get arrested trying to prove I'm like a better man. It was this ridiculous story. So I tell Garofalo this story and it ends with me and my dad coming together and fixing our relationship. And I tell Garofalo this story and she goes, dude, you have to talk about that on stage. And I literally was so brainwashed at that time where I go, but it's not political. I have to be political. And she's like, what are you talking about? She's like, it's funny. Like, tell it on stage. And that story was this 15 minute story in the middle of my set is what started my friendship with Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. That story is what I still have gotten the most emails about. Um, I had a guy in San Francisco once give me $50 at the merch table. And I'm like, what's this for? And he's like, you brought me and my son back together. Um, it's interesting because I do think now people want – I think people want to hear politics because they want to hear that they're right. But I also think a lot of people don't. I'm talking about relationships and depression for the first time in my life on stage. And these are things that like really matter to me. And in a weird way, like I almost see that as like a political act where I'm like, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm yeah. not going to do easy Trump jokes. I'm not going to do easy Clinton jokes. Yeah. Like I'm going to talk about stuff that I'm thinking about. I'm going to talk about things that I'm working on. But like – I don't think that's a bad thing, like just wanting to be funny, especially because people are going through enough every day um, that I think like like I heard an interview with Jim Gaffigan this morning and he's like not political. And then he was like, I think he was saying like he thought about like, should I be? And he's like, no, people just want to like have a good time and just like laugh and like making someone laugh when things are so hard and divided right now is kind of a rebellious act, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. And that's why I try to shy away from a lot of it. I, I can do it, but but it's like, okay, if I'm going into this thing and the preconceived thing is, okay, I want you to do political things, then we'll do political stuff. Sure. There's a lot of that. But if you want to just talk about life, look, I got a, I got a wife and five kids. Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 there's a lot going on in yeah, my man. world that I can make fun of. And people want to relate and they want to – yeah. like it's cathartic to them. And like I mean comedy was getting to a point – on the left where like someone would be like racism is bad and everyone's like 
It's like, well, yeah, we know racism's bad. <laughs> yeah. But, like, where's, like, the joke? Like, where's – how do you hook me in and think you're about to say something racist and then you, like, spin it or, or whatever? Yeah. And it just got to a point where, yeah, they call it, like, clapter. clapter uh, yeah. And I was doing that, too. I was totally doing that. When it was just liberals coming to see me, I was like, wow, a lot of people love vegan jokes. It's like, no, my audience that I, like, cultivated, they like that. Yeah. If I can make a vegan joke that's good enough that I can tell it in the Midwest to a bunch of conservatives, now that's a killer joke. Maybe now I want to do that. Cattle farmers, right? Cattle like, ranchers. Yeah, like maybe now that I have like a more mixed audience, like okay, cool. Maybe there, maybe that would actually be edgy, or that would actually be a challenge. Um, I think comedy can be so powerful, and it can be so cathartic, and it can be so healing. And for some reason, it has become like public enemy number one is, of the yeah. left, and everyone is ostracized. And you know, from Sarah Silverman to Kevin Hart. Um, I mean, the Kevin Hart thing—they had to dig. 10 years for a successful young black man to find a problematic tweet and then take away him hosting the Oscars. Like, it's like, it's not like he was like, uh, Hey, I'm hosting the Oscars tomorrow. I hope there aren't any gay people there. Then it's like, all right, let's, let's reel it in. But you had to dig. That's how desperate people are to be miserable. It's like you went online to find something 10 years old instead of like, you could have been, why aren't you doing something for like a Gay charity. Why yeah. aren't you? You know what I mean. But we just want to bury people nowadays. I said I said, referred. I've referred to that on stage before, and I'm like, "Here's Kevin." I'm like, first of all, don't apologize, okay? Because you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You just make you. It's in the. As Ro, I've heard Rogan say it. It's, mocking people is in the job description. Right. It's what we do. So and people love it when they're mocking it, the it, right guy. Exactly. As long as you're mocking the person not like you, then that's great. And so. I said, Nitty's going to go on Ellen and apologize like somebody made Ellen the gay pope. Right. Like she can resolve, re- absolve all the sins, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm they watching do the weird stuff. dance instead of this at the end. <laughs> and she like, dances you're... down the aisle yeah, 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 yeah. and your yeah. sins just fall off. Yeah, right, you're forgiven. Yeah. And so I was looking at that and then uh, uh, who, was, who was the other one that you talked about before, Kevin? You said Sarah. Uh, Sarah just uh, got Sarah the blackface Silverman, Like trouble, the blackface yeah. thing. Like, no, she shouldn't lose a gig over doing the blackface yeah. thing. Everybody's at some point in time, done something like if that. If she, like, walked into the new gig today in full blackface and was like, ha-ha, because black people are exactly. different. And then it would be like, what the hell's wrong with Sarah Silverman? But yeah, she was making, I'm pretty sure it was like an anti-racist yeah. bit um, using that. And again, years ago, but now the industry is so scared, which is why independent shows and podcasts are so important nowadays, um, because I think... I think that the industry is going to go overboard. Um, it's a pendulum swing. Yeah. It's going to go so far as can't help but come back. Yeah. You, you look at Sil- Sarah Silverman, and I'm like, okay, ask yourself an honest question. You see that picture. Now, do you believe, do you truly believe Sarah Silverman hates black people? Of course not. No. Of course not. No. So, so obviously it was a joke. It was a bit. And by the way, I saw more conservatives defending her than I did liberals. I was quiet on the left and I saw conservatives being like, and Sarah's very, very liberal. Like I've opened for Sarah. She's very Uh, liberal. She's gone hard after conservatives. And I saw conservatives being like, this is, uh, she shouldn't get fired. Yeah. I I said it myself. I said, should she? No. I mean, do I agree with her? No. No. I mean, I mean, you know, should, should she be fired? No. Um, and, and my thing is. It wasn't conservatives that fired her from the gig. No, it was liberals. (laughs) And what I would love to see is people – I talk about this on my podcast a lot where it's like people – I wish we had like principles instead of partisanship, right? Mm -hmm. So the best example of this was Roseanne Barr gets fired because the left – I was going to bring that up. I want want your opinion on that. Well, I think the bigger thing is 
So all these liberals are like, this is too far. She's a racist. She has to fire. She has to get fired. Two weeks later, the right finds an old joke James Gunn did, the director mm. of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, a couple of jokes. Yeah, a couple, right? <laughs> James Gunn has to get fired. Now, all the people that were blindly defending Roseanne uh, are suddenly outraged or triggered by James Gunn. All the liberals that were offended by Roseanne are suddenly defending James Gunn. Oh, it was only a joke. Well, you didn't say that with Roseanne. And then the right, oh, it was only a joke with Roseanne. Well, you're not sh- saying that with James Gunn. Mm-hmm. I implore people to figure out what you believe, not what your team stands for, right? Mm-hmm. If you think Trump is creepy with women, then you should probably think Bill Clinton is creepy with women. If you didn't like when George Bush droned people, then you shouldn't like when Obama droned people. Mm-hmm. If you don't like what Roseanne said, you shouldn't like what James Gunn said, vice versa. But now we just log on to Twitter. We look at our trending topics and we get our marching orders. We go, who is our team mad at? This is what I did. Who is our team mad at? I don't have time to read the article. I got to get my clever tweet out. So I'm going to put it out there and then I'm going to sit there and I'm going to refresh. No one actually gave a shit. Roseanne said, no one actually gave a shit. James Gunn said, um, they, it was just these like, ha ha. You know what I mean? Like, gotcha. We're getting this guy too. And if we just, if people actually cared about, issues then we could have conversations like this where it's like hey what should we do on gun control instead of you shouting your talking points at me me shouting my talking points at you um and i feel like there's a huge audience out there for it but most of them are kind of like maybe not on social media or maybe i mean what's cool is my audience isn't as big as my old show was yet but the people who listen are cool and there are conservative there are literally 50 year old conservatives in the church and like 17 year old gay punk kids and one of them maybe heard me on this network and the other one heard me because i interviewed their favorite band um but they're talking and they're getting along um and we can say whatever we want and no one's writing in because they got like offended um it's a harder road. It would be a lot easier, like I said, to take yeah. that like either conservative money or liberal money and just I start the left. attacking. Yeah, dude. Um, but instead, I'm like, <laughs> I told my agent, I'm like, I want to do a show where I talk to both people. And they were like, what? Yeah. what? Do whatever you want. Look, I tell people all the time, I said, listen, I'll listen to Van Jones's co- podcast and I'll listen to Van Jones talk. And I'm like, I always learn something from him. Now, he's further left than Pluto. Yeah. But I'll learn something. He's a really and, smart guy. And he's a smart guy. And one of the things that I've heard Van Jones say that I that I kind of stuck with is he says, you know, there's a bird and then there's the wings of the bird. We want a big right wing, big left wing. That's an unhealthy bird. It's not mm-hmm. getting anywhere. You want you don't want to be out on the tips of the bird. You want to get into the body. Yeah. Come back into the middle. And my old friends would hate him for saying that. Yeah. And, also, but he I, said that he was honest. He was on Corolla. Yeah. He was on Adam Corolla, which I've been on multiple times, and he was on there. And so, you know, Corolla's kind of one of those guys who's libertarian-ish kind yeah, of guy, yeah, yeah. leans a little conservative. And so I understand he was probably talking to the the, the fan base that was there. But sure. still, it's a great analogy. Yeah, man. And I heard uh, – I said David Frum on my podcast, George Bush speechwriter, um, had him on my show, asked him about Iraq, but asked him about it in a compassionate way instead of like, you have blood on your hands. Yeah. And he said something really similar. Uh, I, I was listening to him and Andrew Sullivan having a conversation, I think, on Sam Harris's podcast when I was prepping for my interview with him. And uh, they talked about that. And you have these two conservative dudes that are like, yeah, I want a healthy right, or I want a healthy left, and I want a healthy right. But now, again, we're just so just like, it's just like this like wagging contest where it's just filibusters and shutting people down. And, you know, meanwhile, they all hang out. They're all friends. 
the, you know, the Republicans and Democrats in it's Congress, like the, they're like just driving us wrestling. against each other. Exactly. Exactly. hundred percent. Except at least professional wrestling is like entertaining and they're hot. Exactly. <laughs> Thank God for the WWE, which, by the way, if you, did, you missed the uh, episode with Vicky Guerrero, go back and watch it. The, uh, <gasps> I'm going to watch that. Yeah. I'm a huge WWE. I got catfished by a fake Mick Foley and like hitchhiked to meet him. It, it's like shocking <laughs> I haven't been murdered like a million times over. Yeah, I'm a huge WWE fan. We're, we're friends. We have some great friends in the world of wrestling. We have do you? Gra- oh, yeah, great friends. Oh. Undertaker is one of my besties. Stop it. Yeah. <gasps> uh, we do stuff with Undertaker throughout the year. She, the last time I saw the last time I saw it, she hasn't drank. Actually, hasn't drank in a long time either the last time i saw you get drunk was yep was on that vegas trip we were hanging Shot out with mark show. calloway the underway undertaker here's what i'm yeah. praying i'm Love. praying you got so drunk that they were like a she passed out and then suddenly you did the undertaker rise <laughs> just the very <laughs> like, were you there my dad just sent me uh when i was a kid i went to this wwe hall of fame and uh i only had the guts because i was like 11 to take pictures of me with like the referees and like stuff like that and I met Undertaker, I guess, but I was so nervous. I just took a picture of him. Like, I was too scared nice. to get in the picture. Yeah. So, yeah, he just texted He's me that picture. He's a gentleman. Picture. He's a sweetheart of a guy. Uh, one well, of my besties. I, we love him. Well, wrestlers Amazing. are so cool because yeah. I, I was training for a while uh, in L.A. Because uh, I'm, I'm friends with a couple of, like, the NXT and WWE guys. And uh, uh, they're so cool because they're this combination of theater dorks mm-hmm. and badass athletes yeah. so it's kind of like the best of both worlds you know what i mean where it's like oh they're really cool creative intelligent nerds it, yeah. but they're also like healthy and like lifting and like taking care of themselves and like those are the kind of people i just want to hang out with people who are doing dope like i don't i don't care about politics anymore i'm like i just want to hang out with like confident funny people yeah. Uh, uh yeah i'm just i'm sick well that's why when you, you know people were like you know hey i knew you were coming on the show and i was like i don't really want to talk politics let's just talk about life i love know? talking and, about comedy i i i, I didn't really know you did like a ton and, of stand-up it's, and it's a huge thing it's a huge thing and i think it is an art form it's a craft yeah it is a craft it is a finely tuned craft when it's done correctly and it's something that i think it is the epitome of free speech. Yeah. It is also a bastion of American poly, uh, just just American way of life of being able to say, let's poke fun yeah. at ourselves. Yeah. And it's so crazy because there are so many whispers now that happen with bookers and agents and stuff where it's the it's the like, well, I, I want to book you. Yeah. But like uh, people might get offended or people oh, might I've get upset. I've had it over and over. Yeah. Re- well, I actually wanted to ask you. Uh, I was going to ask you off here, but I'll ask you now. Um, because you lean right. So like I told my agent, my agent's super supportive. And my agent was like, I told him, I was like, hey, I'm doing Glenn Beck show. And I'm doing a bunch of shows on The Blaze. And he was like, look, I think it's great as long as you're staying true to yourself. And mm-hmm. to my agent's like credit, having a big Hollywood agent be like be true to yourself is like pretty rare um and great he was like if suddenly you pretended to be a right-wing guy he was like i'm not interested in that which like awesome that's how i feel um but agreed by the way yeah totally um but at the same time like it it is interesting because knowing that like yeah i'm wondering if for you was being more conservative did that help in the sense that you're like, hey, it's rare in the comedy world and I have an audience that will come to see me or 
did all are have you had like agents in LA people be kind of just like and kind of be nervous and you've had to do it more well, independently? Well, I'll give you a couple of little anecdotes. So my agent, very supportive. Uh, he's he's a big agent, handles some very big names, and he took me under his wing, and he's kind of become family to me. That's which awesome. You hear the stereotypes as we talked about before the show. <laughs> you hear the stereotypes about the agents and the snakes in the grass. They'll sell yeah. your soul to the devil at the crossroads for their ten percent. Yep. You know, they're, they're, yes, it's about money. It's about business. But what I learned is I have – there's, you know, a lot of the theaters, because I don't do a lot of clubs. Yeah. I, those come and go, but I do a lot of theaters. A lot of the theater owners and the venue owners are – they tend to be liberal. Because sure. they come from the art yeah, side yeah. of things, and they tend to be – that's a liberal genre, right? And so I've had places that were like – yeah, no, we're just not going to have him in. I mean, it's just we're scared. You yeah. know, I, I mean, I went I did a show this past week in Missoula, Montana, where I got death threats and all this stuff because there was a hit piece done on me where this guy totally, you know, went after me in Montana. Yeah. Oh, Missoula is kind of liberal. Was, right? Missoula is pretty. Yeah. Liberal. Okay. It's, it's 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 Montana fornia. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And so it's um, in my most supportive state. People have heard me say this over and over again. My most, most supportive state. The people that turn out is my shows in California. Interestingly enough, when I was like super progressive, I would not do that great in San Francisco because they were kind of looking for stuff to like pick apart. Right. Like I remember once like I did like my like gay marriage jokes. Everyone was like, yay. I did my like drug legalization. They were like, yay. Yeah. Then I did something on race and they were like, oh, those people are in Oakland. Like we <laughs> keep it, mm, keep it down. Uh, the, I don't want the price of chia seeds to go up. Uh, <laughs> but my favorite, my, my best shows were Texas. Uh, a lot of my best shows were Texas or like I'm like Iowa, like weird, like Midwest places. Well, so you come, so that makes perfect sense because you come to Texas and you have people think of it as a conservative state, yep. and it is. But then you have the liberals that are here and they want to come out. They're like, I want someone that speaks my language, yeah, and yeah, I want yeah. to come hear it. Same thing in California, California because you have those wondering. folks. Yeah. Now they're not in West. Hollywood, where no. I stay. I mean, I, I wear the cowboy hat in West Hollywood. It's like Hell revival yeah. of the village people. <laughs> I don't pay for any drinks. The best. And so, and so it's fantastic. You know, did you meet on Grinder? Yes. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'll do I'll do sixteen shows this year alone in California. Yeah. California turns Whoa. out. California turns out. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. And I'm talking about San Jose and Redwood City. I mean, you know, I'm talking about San Francisco and yeah, L.A., yeah. Anaheim. We're all in Brea, Irvine. You know, we go to these places. Yeah, we go to the Vesalias and the Bakersfields and the Reddings, but we get we get to the coast too. Well, sir, if you need an opener, I am not getting booked. Uh, <laughs> I think you and I are going to get along my just calendar fine. Calendar is empty. I think you and I get along just as fine. As long as you don't bring your cat and crown. I, I will not bring my cat. I, yeah, I want to be a vegan. Dude, <laughs> I like. I'm. I, I, I'm literally at the point where on Sunday, and part of me kind of likes this. So I moved out of L.A. And there's this guy, Paul Provenza. Do you know Paul? Yeah. So he hosted that show, The Green Room, that I did with Ron White mm -hmm. and uh, made the movie The Aristocrats. And Paul's been like a huge mentor of mine. And uh, I told him I was leaving L.A. And I was just like, I was like, this thing killed me, man. Like, I can't afford it. I was like, I'm trying to build up the podcast. And, uh, you know, my girl and I just wanted to get, get out of L.A. And I assumed that meant I was quitting stand-up. And Paul was the one who put me up on his couch for, like, the Edinburgh Festival. And, like, he literally, like, discovered me. And he goes, getting out of L.A. is going to be the best thing for your comedy mm -hmm. because you're going to remember why you started comedy. And why you started comedy was because of jokes. And mm -hmm. why you started comedy was to make people laugh or because you were so excited about a new joke, you'd run to an open mic. And in L.A., 
I started thinking, who's going to be in the audience? Who read that Jezebel piece? Who's going to think this about me? And it was so nerve wracking. Um, you know, if I say uh, this offensive word, are they A, going to get offended or are they B, going to think it's calculated and that I'm trying to appeal to a right wing audience? Like, I was just overthinking everything. And, uh, and I'm just back to I am I fly home tomorrow and I'm driving five and a half hours to do a bar gig for a hundred dollars. I don't even think I'm going to break even. And, but that's what I did when I was 22. And I was like, until I start getting gigs, I told my agent, I was like, I don't even want a headline. I was like, I want to find cool comics to open for. I'll pay my own way. I was like, I will lose money. Um, I just want to remember what it's like to be on stage and love comedy because this whole thing, I mean, man, when it first happened, and I disappeared and I started teaching jujitsu. I was like, this will be my life. I'll have a studio apartment. I'm giving back to a community for the first time in my life. I love jujitsu. Um, and then I just miss comedy so much. But even having this conversation with you, I just forgot what it was like to be able to have good hearted conversations, but where you can say anything and you're yeah. just trying to get a laugh and no one's taking personally. And I was like, right. This is what it felt like when I used to hang out with comics. Um, and I'm just like working my ass off to like get back to that place. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, that's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, when I went out, we were out last year, we were pitching a sitcom to all the networks. Yeah. We're sitting down with all these studio executives and I'm sitting down at ABC. This was right after the Roseanne deal. <sighs> and the first thing out of her mouth looking across, of course, it was tongue in cheek. It was wildly inappropriate, but I didn't care. You know, she goes, so do you take Ambien? Whoa. <laughs> like, well, that's like the least professional thing wow. that you could ask me. Wow. Because what you did was you automatically categorized me as a conservative. Sure. Because you knew my stuff. And I'm Although here to Ambien, I'd say, is a liberal stereotype. But here, but here I'm sitting to do that because, again, Roseanne blamed the Ambien whenever she talked about Valerie Jarrett. Oh, my God. And she said, I took Ambien, and that's why right, I right, did right. the I thing. It's so th- that, that's what happened. And, and I'm like. Yeah, no, but whatever. And so when I go to L.A. and we're working on, I've got great writers. I mean, I've got writers who they were executive producers of major, major shows. I've, I've been fortunate enough to have some folks who come along and say, this makes sense. You know, we had mm-hmm. Eric uh, Rosenbaum, uh, Tannenbaum. And so, they, you know, he had um, uh, two and a half men for 11 seasons. on. Jeez, you know, yeah. Eric Tannenbaum, is a, I mean, he's a star out there. He's had everything. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, this sitcom idea makes sense because it's common sense and, the, and America needs this. Yeah. And every studio out there just turns their nose up at it. And they're like, wow, no, he's conservative. And I'm like, that's not how you make money. And by the way, not even just money, but like it's also not how you change people's mind. Yeah. Like if you – this is why I don't think like Alex Jones should have been banned. Um, so we'll go farther right than conservatives with Alex, but like, I don't want those people who listen to Alex Jones to feel more oppressed Mm. and disappear into the shadows. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like people on the left, again, will call me like a conservative sellout because conservatives listen to my show or because I retweet you guys now or I'm friends with you guys. And to me, it's like, if you actually stand by your convictions and want to change people's mind, isn't it better that conservatives listen to me as opposed to yeah. uh, if it was only liberals and we were just like circle jerking each other? But no, they would rather just be righteous and miserable. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yo, 
okay, maybe I'm changing my mind and becoming a little more conservative on some issues, but also maybe I'm changing a lot of conservative minds and making them a little more liberal on some issues. Um, that to me is good and important and healthy dialogue. Uh, but they, that, that doesn't play into like the, their, their sort of like martyrdom, um, on (laughs) social media. So what I was going to say was so with your show where it's like one, you're ignoring 50% of the country, but also you're doing the thing conservatives say you do where you're, you know, a liberal Hollywood is denying a platform to someone who represents a good. Now, look, if your show was called like, you know, Chad chases black people, then it's like, well, all right. Like if I'm a barbecue store owner and I have pamphlets out there for white supremacy and then the black people in the community want to come to my place because it's the best freaking barbecue. Like, you know, like that's a funny concept, but I don't think that's going to sell. Probably not going to fly. Or if yeah. you're like, we want to show like the lighter side of the clan, and it's like a family sitcom, which is like everyone wears the hoods the whole time. Um, they're like mixing up the kids because you can't been tell. Since Chappelle, no, which right, was exactly, genius. which was genius. Uh, but now, of course, again, like Chappelle then defied the left, and now Chappelle's an enemy of the left. Yeah, sure. It's just, dude, like you can't. I wish people would just post about. Shit like like what do you like what makes you happy instead of logging on every day just to find like why you're outraged or why you're mad like there's a lot of good stuff in the world that you are missing out on uh because you're glued to your phone just angry all the time it's just not worth it no i I say it all the time i said the the online the internet has us it was it was better when we sat on the toilet and read the shampoo bottle oh 100 percent and and just tried to figure out the pattern of the wallpaper yeah but these days and you had time to like make up your mind like you'd you'd watch the news and instead of being like i have to get this line out you could actually like think about it and your friend would think about it and then you get together at dinner and be like hey what did you think about this as opposed to just seeing some like insane tweet and be like that guy you know or i'm gonna block him or whatever like it's just it's such a waste of time man and maybe i'm wrong maybe this is now me being naive and rebelling about what happened to me but i can tell you that like i've been having the best time in my life just focusing on like people i care about uh hanging out with people who have different opinions than me doing jujitsu like doing this podcast i mean the fact that i'm gonna have a bush speechwriter and then noam chomsky wants to do my show like next week like having both of those people like that's cool and you saying nice when you hear noam chomsky is the opposite of when i posted that i was gonna have david from on the show and all these liberals were like you're gonna ask him about that it's like calm down like i want to find out what someone who i disagreed with vehemently uh thinks and I want to know why he made those decisions. Yeah. And maybe I'll agree with him. And maybe I won't. And that's cool. That's a yeah. conversation. That's, that's the way it is because that is – this country was created on debate and dialogue and discussion. Oh, my God. I know. The ability to disagree. And people forget that. And, and they can't do that No, anymore. you're just – if you disagree or if you say the wrong thing – and I don't know if this happens as much on the right. Maybe it does. Uh, oh, but it on the does. left, I don't, You don't even have to say it. I can gone. just tell you it does. It does, Because right? human nature – I don't care what your politi- political viewpoint or conviction is. Human nature is still human nature. Right. People are insecure people. Yes. And I don't yes, care yes. how confident you think you are. People are flawed. They're frail. They're yeah. faulty. They and, and so wherever you go with that, you don't know how to deal with disagreement. Right. You just don't know how to deal with it. Right. Well, and then that goes back to what we like opened with, where it was if people could just be self-aware, if you could be excited to be wrong, right? Like if I'm wrong about something, 
Isn't that good? Isn't that good that I have the power to make a decision to make my life better or to make, you know, if, if, if me and my girlfriend are arguing and I realize I'm the wrong one, it's like, oh, I have the power to end this. We can go back to being happy. Yeah. So I can be like, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore, right? But it's so hard. We're all so fragile. The right and left, we're all snowflakes, right? It's yeah. all of it's us. It's true. We all are. Yeah. Like, I see people, I see conservatives, like, with their fake outrage the same way I see liberals with their fake outrage. Yeah. Like, the bottom line is, if our only goal is how can we be better people, how can we be better friends, how can we be better husbands or brothers or whatever, um, and that means confronting the shit we do wrong. Like, I've done a lot wrong. Um, but if I didn't learn from it and if I doubled down and if i just got angrier and more bitter and shouted dude that is not a life i want to live right at all if you've watched this podcast or listened to this podcast and you are triggered in any way shape or form <laughs> then you need to expand your mind mm -hmm. you need to open your mind up to thoughts that are beyond your narrow vision because a laser can be a dangerous thing it can be a powerful thing you know if you're narrow-minded is you know a laser can be used to heal or it can be used to destroy. It's all in how you use that. And I encourage people all the time, expand your horizon on that. This is one of those episodes that I think should be able to do that with people. It's fun. I could do this for hours and hours. Oh, me too, man. Jamie Kilstein, the Jamie Kilstein podcast. You need to get on it. Yes. Check him out. Go on there. Don't believe everything you read on Wikipedia. Don't read every. Don't <laughs> or believe edit every, it if you know yeah. how to do if it. If you know how to do it. And trust me, there's things on mine that I want edited. Oh, my God. There's things that need to be updated. Apparently, I'm not important enough for somebody to go on there and tell the <laughs> freaking truth. So, <laughs> I hate Wikipedia, dude. Uh, I catch more crap from Wikipedia. Yeah. But anyway, yes, I was born in New Jersey. I grew up in Georgia. I lived there four months. Okay? I, uh, I'm Jersey, too. I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I heard you say you grew up in Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, I was in Ramsey. We just went. We just went. So we just went and did a show. I love doing new markets. Like we w we just did New Brunswick. We did two Stress nights Factory? in New Brunswick. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. my home club. That was where I started. No kidding. Yeah, I started doing. Had that. a blast. The Wednesday dude. open mic. So fun. Had a blast. Yep. And uh, we were there two nights. Killed it. Had a just a fun, fun time. Great people. And Eddie uh, Brand. Yeah, Eddie Brand. We do. He came the second night and he hung out. And then they had a they had uh, late that night they had another show and Eddie opened for me and I'm like God it, we just had a blast we sat back there in that little green room yep. and, and just chatted and oh talked I said so and, nostalgic yeah yeah and we just had a blast and and I love getting around those guys and just talking and and um, you know he's a conservative leaning guy Vinny he's, yeah he, Vinny Vinny's a, Vinny's a conservative you know and. Because Vinny, you know, we were like, originally we were going to do two shows a night. And we're like, well, we're just not selling like that. But we can do one show each night and do great. And Vinny comes in there. And Vinny was like, he's, you know, he's like, man, I, I wish I could. I, off air, I'll tell you he's some of so the things funny. that Vinny yeah. said. Well, I can tell you this. I can tell you my experience with Vinny is started at that club, then got super liberal. And probably, I think on like Twitter or something, man, I've ruined so many connections. I'm pretty sure I like uh, the the guy who now books Netflix specials. I was like, you hate Palestinians on Twitter. Me and him used to be friends. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I really blew that Netflix special opportunity because I was an <laughs> asshole on Twitter. Um, but Vinny, I decided to reach out to because I was like, this guy gave me my start. And uh, yeah, I probably mouthed off to him on Twitter and I just DM'd him and I was like, hey, man, I really hope I wasn't an asshole to you. Um, and he goes, can I call you? And we just talked on the phone for like an hour about politics and again figured out we agreed on so much. So like exactly. we talked about uh we talked about climate change and he was like I don't care what a lot of these liberals are saying, and I think that the Green New Deal is kind of trash and uh that there are a lot of doomsday people, but 
I believe in capitalism and I want America to be number one in the world when it comes to like yeah. alternative energy. And it's like, whoa, we want the same thing, but for a different reason. That's exactly cool. right. Like so no one on the right, like no one on the right is opposed to legal immigration. Right. We want immigrants to yeah. come in here. We just want we want you to be able to come in the right way. Sure. And not milk the system or hurt the system. Is the system broken? Yes. We don't want it further broken, yeah. right? So, like, I don't know anybody on the right that wants mass shootings to happen. We want, like, you had a conversation with Jason Buttrell. We don't want that to happen. Yeah. What do we need to do to fix that? And so there's so many things that we agree on in terms of we want the same result. We just have different methods and ideas of how to get to that result. And the problem is we never hear about those because everyone yells at each other on Twitter and then they get so defensive that they don't want to have the conversation. Yeah. So, for example, like I was talking to um, uh, uh, the host of the the, the new show um, done so many shows Sarah? today, Sarah, Sarah. A and uh, and. I was like, what do we do with, like, the kids in cages? But I didn't say, it's your fault there are kids in cages. And she was like, I think it's horrible what it is. And the problem is people on the right just get so defensive and they're so tired of being accused of, like, being people who want to see, like, who are pro-kids in cages that they'll just be like, ah, the dad shouldn't break the law. And it's like, well, that's not really an empathetic way. Like, you could be right. Sure. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like that doesn't get that kid out of the cage. I would much rather have a conversation that's like, all right, if our immigration system is broken and my idea isn't working and your idea isn't working, how do we get the kids out of cages? Um, but to believe that all Republicans are pro kids in cages with no soap is insane. But the problem is we get so defensive online because if if you're a Republican and anytime you engage with a liberal, they're calling you a Nazi or a racist, then when Trump does something racist, why are you going to want to – attack trump you're just gonna stay quiet because you're gonna be like those liberals man i don't want them to be right but now i'm talking to a bunch of conservatives and like a lot of them agree with most things i say but they're not gonna phrase it that way online or we're not gonna give them a chance to right um because we're just gonna shout them down um or they're just gonna go why, why, why should i talk to you about it you're gonna call me a nazi or you're gonna call me whatever and, and there's an element of truth to that there yeah. is because I had a guy who sent me a message the other day and i'd made some joke or something and the guy goes this is why we hate this is why you guys get so much hate on the right because you're brainwashed and this is why you receive it. And I said, no, we get hate because you have hate in your heart. He goes, I don't have hate in my heart. And I said, like, then why even use the word hate? Right. I've never said I hate somebody. Right. I've never said that I hate you or I hate this or hate that. I, look, we're all wanting the same goals. There's just different methods to how we get to those goals. Yeah. I mean, that's where we're disagreeing. We're not disagreeing on the goals. We're like, like we don't want kids in cages. Right. There, there's, there's, and I spent the better part of 20 years of my life in third world countries. I've been with these people. Locking kids up in cages? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> we brought the cages down. They're real <laughs> to travel with. They really are. You get the foldable little yeah. deals. Yeah, it's yeah, like I a get. kennel. And, uh, but I yeah, was like, Kia you know, ones. and water bowls. And <laughs> there's a lot that goes into this. Yeah, yeah. People don't understand. You're the real heroes. This, I mean, the people who lot. set up the cages. We don't yeah. talk about them. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into this. But I've, I've seen it, you know, firsthand. And then you look at it, and I've always said, it, yes, it is a national security issue, but it's also a humanity issue. Right. And you have to approach it from both angles. And, dude, as silly as this sounds, and I'm sure your listeners will kill me for saying this, but, like, okay. that sounds like 
That is not something that people on the left would assume you would say. They wouldn't assume that. And it's just the most normal humanitarian thing to say. But, like, even you saying that, I was like, wow, that's a big deal. Or is that going to be used against you? Like, it's – but that's – of course, of course most decent people say that. But, again, when you look at Twitter, everyone's just so mad and so defensive that if someone's like, you want kids in cages, like, of course I'm not going to answer delicately. I'm going to be like, f*** self. Um but yeah, those the conversations aren't happening. It's like, well, if we both want the same thing, then why don't we talk and not be little babies about it uh, and figure out some middle ground? Yeah, we got to get out of here. We're going to dinner. Let's hey, do it. You got to shoot guns, then you're going. To, we're going to dinner. Guns, guns. Um, I've never had a guest that says the way you do, and I just love the way he says. No, no, no. It's good. I just like the way you say. It's good. Cool, cool, cool. I, that was my liberal part of me apologizing. I'm like, I'm so sorry. No, no, <laughs> Am no I in trouble? I, I cracked up every time because I don't know. There's something to the way you say the word cadence. <laughs> oh, it's it, it's uh, it's panic and self hate. If you're wondering what the cadence is, it's Candace fear. Is on, Candace is on uh, page two of writing down times time stamps to see when she has to hit the bleep. Oh, I gave up a long time ago. I mean, I'm look, I don't care. So I, look, I don't care. We're you're adults fine. here. I, you know, look, it's people, just a word. I enjoy it. So it, we we've had a good conversation, dude. I'm in love with you. Thanks, I don't, buddy. I don't mind saying it out loud. Oh, I don't yeah. want you to change. Like I like. I, I love like I don't need people I don't need people that agree with me. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't need people that that think exactly the way I do. God, that'd be a boring. Because then you're weak. It would be boring, yeah. right? Like if like if I have a conviction, I feel something. Like we began with this. Like if I believe it, then I believe it, and if it, it needs to be changed, then I want to be open minded enough to change it. I mean, how sad is it that people literally like the Twitter version is if you were just walking around with a bunch of people who clapped after everything you said? Yeah. It's like Jesus. Am I? Do I have no confidence in my convictions, my belief, my humor, my whatever that I just need to be like patted on the back for everything? I catch myself on Twitter, and I love Twitter. Yeah. I, I didn't love it, but yeah. I, I'm now I'm like that's where I got my news. Right? Like yeah. I just want to see what people are thinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's almost like the the podcast in 248 characters or whatever. Sure. So I I'll post a joke or something and I'll be like, I don't know if I should have done that. Yeah. And Those I'll let it sit. I let it sit for five minutes yeah. just to see what the reactions are. And most of them are like, eh, it's pretty funny. And I'm like, okay, good, we'll leave it. Yep. Why do you live with that kind? Of, I mean, we live with that type of. We need this this self aggrandizement from strangers yeah, you know what I, I mean i go back and forth because part of me like that's what got me in so much trouble was like being this asshole on twitter no it was putting your penis oh that's right <laughs> that's what it was it was uh i'm pretty sure it was twitter i'm pretty sure it was my tweets um yeah, yeah. and but uh but now i'm in this weird thing where i'm like i have to be on it to promote because i want people to listen to this new right, podcast sure, sure. but then there's part of me that's like once the podcast hits the numbers i need that i'm like peace i'm out come see me live come yeah. listen to the podcast i'm like i just don't have because i still follow i'm still like afraid to unfollow a bunch of like liberal people so i still see all of that stuff in my timeline yeah. and it's like it's too much man i just want it does be on both sides though it is it's 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 tragic on both sides it's it really tragic is. that's a good way to put it. it it is all right we're getting out here cool. hey the jamie kilstein podcast go check it out Find him, Google him. You're gonna find him. You're gonna find maybe all not kind Google. Of stuff. Maybe just go to Twitter. Yeah, maybe, maybe don't <laughs> don't, don't believe everything you or read. Or if you Google, like, click on good things. Uh, yeah, just don't bump yeah, those fake numbers. News, fake news, people. Candice, the queen of the Ethiopians. You asleep over there? No. You still good? It was a good interview. I yeah, loved it was it. great. I loved it, dude. I could do this for hours. With yes. Him. Let me tell you, uh, Puppet Master Mark. Thank you for making us look good. Camera. Yes, sir. 
You just sat over there all quiet and just hanging out. I was just listening. I really, Jamie, I really enjoyed your authenticity. Oh, thank yeah. you. I really enjoyed how raw and how real you are. Refreshing. And you, you, it's absolutely refreshing, and I do. I think we're starved for it. Oh, I think thanks, you, you do have a very interesting story and experience, and I love I love what you're doing to embrace the thank new Thank you. I'm also sorry I called you buddy. I now panic around women, and I'm like, hello, platonic friend. Um, sure. But great. Thank you. That, that, that Trust means, me, it that, takes a lot more to offend She'll pee on you later. <laughs> that means a lot. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, CP. Good to see you. You got it, girl. I'm so happy to see you. We go, let's go to dinner, okay? Let's do it. Go out and have and, and uh, have some camera. I love you so much. You're you're one of those sisters I never had, and and um, God, we got a lot of history. It's craziness. Yeah. So thanks for sitting in. But I agree with you. It's refreshing. It's authentic, and that's the kind of conversation I like to have. I don't like echo chambers. I really don't. Sourced. I, don't, I just it gets old. I don't, I don't need that kind of you know. Anyway, we're getting out of here. Go to blazetv.com slash humor. Use promo code Chad. Get your first 30 days free. You can uh, watch our show, Humor Me, which is very, very good. Bougie Sean and Metro Jason do a fantastic job of putting that show together week after week. Uh, and you're going to see a fun episode with Tad Papafopoulos and the uh, transgender Beverly. Uh, it's a great interview. You don't want to miss this. It's a lot of fun. Go get Humor Me. blazetv.com slash humor. Use promo code Chad. I love y'all. God bless. We'll see you out there. Talk to you later. Bye.